This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Today we're joined by uh, Wharton marketing professor Eric Bradlow, and we're going to talk about his recent uh, working paper, "Binge Consumption of Online Content." Uh, but let's let's start the conversation first by talking about what exactly binge consumption is. Well, it's an interesting question because three years ago I became really interested in this topic of binge consumption, and the original work I did looked at what we called at that time. I actually called it clumpiness. So if all of our listeners here on Knowledge at Wharton want to look at Eric Bradlow clumpiness. You'll see my original work. And the reason I used the word clumpiness back then is binging has this negative connotation with it. And binge consumption doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. So in the original research, we taught, we called it clumpiness. And the basic idea is very simple. That's consecutive consumption of a particular type of content. For example, it could be a Coursera project. Someone could be consuming online content in an educational setting. It could be Netflix. It could be Hulu. In our recent work... What we've done is we've recognized actually there's two forms of binging or clumpiness. One, which is our old definition, which we call temporal binging. This is where people just consume content consecutively. Then we have a second form of binging now we call content binging where, for example, let's imagine there's a course in marketing and there's a course in operations. And let's imagine you consume marketing, 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 marketing. And then you consume operations, 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 operations. Well, that's content binging. You've consumed one, let's call it show, and then you consume the next show. But let's imagine you went marketing operations, marketing operations, marketing operations, but didn't take a break. That would be temporal binging. And so what our current research has done, which extended our earlier research, is this breaking out clumpiness or binging to two forms, temporal binging and content binging. And what were you and your co-authors hoping to find in this research? Interesting question. So the real question is, since we're a business school, um, identifying that people binge consume is fascinating. But now the question is, what are the downstream implications of it? So one thing we were very interested in is, do people learn better? if they actually binge consume. Now, the nice thing about our Coursera project, unlike the earlier work I did with Hulu and Netflix data, is we actually have people taking quizzes, and we have people with test scores, therefore, on those quizzes. So now you can ask the natural question, do people that are more bingey, do they actually perform better? And the answer is they do. So that's very interesting. And so now this has implications for how a platform might design its content, which we can talk about as well. What would you say the key takeaways were from this study? I would say there were two key takeaways. The first one was this idea that I've already talked about, which is there really is a separation between temporal binging. These are people that sit down and say, I'm going to spend an hour right now in online content and just consume consecutively without a break. And content binging, that there are some people that say, I'm going to finish off marketing, I'm going to finish off operations, I'm going to finish off finance, I'm going to do them consecutively. First, that, and that was our first major takeaway, that temporal binging and content binging aren't the same thing. The second major takeaway was there are real downstream implications. Number one, as I mentioned already, bingers tend to do better. They also tend to stay on the platform longer. And what I mean by that, and that's related to our old work, If firms can get people to binge consume more, they can get them to stay on the platform longer, which typically has advertising implications because you can show people more ads if people stay on the uh, platform longer. But also in our case on Coursera, 
people that, for example, binge consume marketing and operations are more likely to complete their finance course. They're more likely to complete their accounting course. So it appears, just like we found in our work three years ago, binge consumption leads to higher customer lifetime value. That was the key takeaway. And now we've just reinforced that and, and, and basically replicated that in an online educational content setting. This seems to have really direct implications for the entertainment providers, too, like Netflix, correct? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, Steve, you brought up a fascinating point, which I, I want to bring up. One of the wonderful things about the data we received from the Coursera platform was there was what was called a natural experiment that happened. And here's what I mean. We got two years of data from the platform. The first year of data, they did what's called sequential release. What I mean by that is imagine a four-week course where – in week one, the material is launched on the site, but not week two's material yet. Then week two's material is launched. Then week three, it's the classic, we're going to roll out the first episode, the second episode, then the third episode, the classic way we watch TV when we were kids. The second year of the data on the Coursera platform, they do what everybody does now, which is called simultaneous release. All of the content for the four weeks is released at once. If you want to binge consume it all in the first week, you can do it. If you want to wait to week four and binge consume it, you can do it. And what we now compare is what's called sequential release, which is the old model of, well, I'm going to, you know, weekly TV series. Every week I'm going to put episode one, then week two I'm going to put episode two. And we compare and contrast that to simultaneous release. Not surprisingly, when you do simultaneous release, People binge consume more because they have the content. It's hard to binge consume when you don't even have the future content. But here's the key, and this was your question as well. Firms should think strongly about simultaneous release schedules versus sequential release schedules because the good news in an educational content is, number one, people tend to get higher test scores. Two, they binge consume more. And number three, it leads them to come back and consume more content in the future. So number one, it's good for business, and two, it's good for education. And it seems that that would apply again to Netflix, right? Absolutely. So we've not actually done this with Netflix data, and this is interesting. So this might be some, well, it may be the reason why you see Netflix releases a series. They don't release an episode, they release a series. So as far, I don't know this, but you can imagine Netflix having done this kind of experiment where they actually experiment with what happens if we release one episode at a time versus releasing the entire series. Our belief is that our research on binge consumption, it just happens to be, in a fa we think is a fascinating area, on education, but we believe that the same follow the same theories, the same findings will hold likely in the online consumption of video content like a Netflix or a Hulu. Well, I know I know I've become really impatient now when I have to wait for <laughs> the next episode. So has this really changed consumer behavior in terms of their expectations of being able to watch everything all at once? Well, it's interesting. You bring up two things. And I, and I first should also say, um, the work in the online Coursera content uh, area is with uh, a doctoral student of ours in the marketing department. Her name is Joy Liu. She's on the job market right now, and the work's been extremely well-received. And it's also with my colleague, uh, Professor Wes Hutchinson, who's in the marketing department. And so this is the basis of Joy's dissertation work, is expanding on the work that I did a few years ago to understand, if you'd like, these different forms of binge consumption and the implications for the firm. But you're absolutely right. I think um, firms 
definitely it has it definitely has implications for firms um, and you call it impatience we call it something a little bit different um, there's a known phenomenon in the behavioral literature called goal gradient and what that means is that people accelerate their consumption of something as they get near the end goal gradient you as you get near the goal your gradient increases. In other words, you work harder as you can see the finish line. And we, you know, this is always this lore. It's like I'm running a marathon. As I see the finish line, I start sprinting towards the end. But what's the implication of that? Once you start a course, you're closer to the finish line. Now the rest of that course looks more attractive compared to some other course that you've yet to start. And so that's why if you release an entire series, the minute the person – you call it impatience. It's okay. It's, a nice, it's not a bad <laughs> term for it. We call it goal gradient. And one way to think about Joy's dissertation work is it's the first that we know large-scale field empirical test of the goal gradient effect. So we think it's the goal gradient that's causing this type of binge consumption that we're talking about. You start a series, you see the finish line, you really want to know what the end is going to be, so you accelerate your content consumption. You don't even want to take breaks, and when you start a particular course, you don't even want to go to the next course. You want to see how marketing ends. And so what do you think you're going to look at next? Oh, there's tons and tons of stuff to look at next. Um, Number one, Does it actually apply in other empirical contexts? Um, Number two, does it apply not just to video consumption, but my original work also looked at uh, purchasing behavior. Does it apply to purchasing contexts? And I think number three, one of the things we're also fascinated on is what are called forward-lookingness. In other words, when people are consuming content, are they literally doing it what's called myopically, like, I'm just going to consume today what I love? Or are they thinking about the future? So in other words, this is what academics called forward-looking behavior. As I'm consuming content, am I thinking not only about how much utility am I going to get from that consumption today, but where does that leave me now, an hour from now, and does that future utility come into what people are doing today? So there's all kinds of what I would call mathematical tests of behavioral theories and other empirical settings that I think we'll be looking at for years to come. Well, thank you so much for talking about this with us today. This is great. I'm very excited about this research. Thanks, Eric. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.